This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. What happens when you don't understand Easter? I know, that seems like kind of a strange question to ask this group of people right now today. After all, you got up early. You made it here. You've been singing praises to God. You've been offering your prayers to Him. You've been hearing about Easter already this morning. And presumably, you've done all of that because you do understand Easter. But haven't we also come together today to understand Easter better? We've come to be renewed. We've come to be refreshed. We've come to be strengthened in the joy that Easter brings. And Easter does that best when we understand it best. And so we're focusing our attention for a few minutes, as you heard earlier, on the Gospel account that God led John to record regarding what happened on early Sunday morning that first Easter day. And right in the middle of that account, we find a phrase, a phrase that I do find a little curious, where it says, they still did not yet understand. It's talking about two of Jesus' disciples. It's talking about... uh, what happened to them and and where they were at. And we're going to walk with them a little bit this morning. We're going to consider three steps that help us to understand better what Easter is and what it means for us. Step one is to see the empty tomb. Actually, Mary was the one who got to step one first. Mary Magdalene is the one whom John's Gospel uh, focuses on at the very beginning. And Mary is on her way to the tomb early that Sunday morning, the tomb in which Jesus had been laid the previous Friday. Why was she going to the tomb? Well, on that Friday, the men who had buried Jesus there, they were in a hurry. They were trying to beat the Sabbath's arrival, and so they rushed along getting Jesus' body ready for burial. They placed Him in the tomb, and then everybody rested just as God required on the Sabbath day. So early Sunday morning was the next opportunity, and Mary, along with other women, were told in other places in Scripture. Went with spices, went with perfumes. They were going to pay their respects to Jesus once again. They were going to honor Him again. They were going to anoint His body again. But on the way, Mary noticed something. She noticed that that heavy stone that had been rolled in the, the way in the, in the entrance of the tomb 
it had been moved. Now, I don't know. I doubt she could see from where she was that the tomb was actually empty. She maybe made that assumption based on the stone being moved away. But that's what she thought. They must have stolen Jesus' body. She went back and she told Jesus' disciples. She told Peter and John. Now, John doesn't actually call himself by name in his Gospel, but he's the one. He's the one who outsprinted Peter to arrive at the tomb first. And when John got to the tomb, he stood outside and he peered in. He was trying to take everything in. He was trying to figure it out. He was trying to, trying to think through it. And then Peter arrived. And Peter rushed right past. And he was there in the tomb, so, so John finally came in as well. And they, they looked around and they found that the tomb was empty except for some linen cloths. They saw that the tomb was empty even though Jesus had been laid there. They knew He was there. They knew that He had been dead. They knew that He had been buried. And now they knew that except for those cloths, the tomb was empty. That the one thing that the tomb was meant to contain was gone. They also realized this wasn't the the site of a grave grave robbery. This wasn't a crime scene that was left behind. Those linens were folded neatly. They were set in place. And when Peter and John had seen the empty tomb, they went back home. It kind of sounds anticlimactic, doesn't it? You almost expect them to start comparing notes with Mary. What's happened to the tomb? What's going on here? You expect them to do something, to say something, to do something important. But they just go back home. It gives us an impression, doesn't it? It gives us an impression that their Easter is still incomplete. John writes about himself in that empty tomb that he believed. But it doesn't seem like Peter or John fully realizes everything that this empty tomb implies at that moment. It doesn't seem like they've fully grasped what Easter means. We could have Easter's like that too, couldn't we? We could have Easter's like that even when we come to church for the sunrise service. We could have Easter's like that whether we're more like John and we maybe find a spot in the back, sit in a quiet corner, and we just kind of take everything in and think about it. We could be more like Peter. Maybe we're not the first ones to arrive, but once we're here, we're engaged and we're singing and we're talking to people and we're excited to be here could be more like mary when we notice something we want to tell somebody else 
have them think it through with us. Have them help us along. But whatever exactly is our take, and maybe it's something totally different from that too. We could have an Easter like this if if our thoughts during our Easter celebration go more like this. Is that breakfast I smell? Ooh, that smells good. Oh, I love these hymns. Well, maybe not that one, but the other one was really good. Oh, fantastic. There's trumpet playing today. What? There's more special music. We've got a concert. We've got a whole festival service still to come. That's wonderful. Wouldn't it be great if we could do this more than once a year? No? I think so. But if that's all that our Easter celebration is, then we've missed something, haven't we? Mary didn't go home. Mary sat near the tomb and she cried. She felt the pain and she felt the loss all over again. She looked into the empty tomb. Notice that it was empty and she felt the, the pain and the loss even more and she wept harder. And then through her tears, Mary looked into the tomb again. And this time it wasn't empty. It wasn't Jesus there. There were two men inside. And they must have been nice to her or seemed friendly. Or at the very least, Mary just needed to talk to somebody about it because she was ready to answer their question when they said, Woman, why are you weeping? And she explained to them exactly where her heart was, exactly where her mind was, exactly how she was feeling at that point, having seen the empty tomb early that Sunday morning. Why are you weeping? She was weeping because the tomb was empty and she did not know where Jesus was. But Jesus knew where Mary was. And Jesus knew that right where Mary was was where He needed to be. So Jesus came. And He asked Mary those leading questions. Why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? And Mary thought, incredibly, she thought, finally, this must be the gardener. Here is someone who can answer my questions. Here is someone who can solve my problem. And she had no idea how right she was until Jesus said her name. And then Mary knew. That was step two. She had seen her living Lord. He had been, dead, 
he had been dead. He had given up his spirit on the cross. Everybody knew it. The soldiers knew it. His followers knew it. Those men who had buried Jesus put him in that very tomb that was still so close to where Mary was at that very time. They had been certain of it too. He was dead. He was buried. But now he's alive. He's clearly alive. He's saying her name. He's explaining to her how he's going to go to his rightful place at the Father's side. And this is what Easter is all about. You know pain. You know sorrow. You know suffering. Maybe you even know tears. And if we are, if we are truly honest with ourselves, we know that we are the reason for our pain. I am the reason that Jesus had to die. And I am the reason that one day I will die too. But Easter announces that Jesus is alive. We don't come to be half convinced by seeing the empty tomb. We come to see our risen Savior. And I get our context is, is different. We don't get to actually see the angels. We don't get to actually hear Jesus speaking our name. But we have convincing proofs. We have eyewitness accounts. The tomb is empty. And it's not empty because somebody took Jesus away. It's empty because He rose from the dead. No tomb can confine Him. No bit of work that He came to do for us has been left undone. No sin of ours has been left unforgiven. We have a living Savior and we see our living Lord. But there's still one more step left for understanding Easter. This one is more implied by our verses than it is acted out in those verses. But it's an important step. It's a crucial step. The verse that we quoted earlier actually says, they did not yet understand the Scripture that He must rise from the dead. So step one is to see the empty tomb, and step two is to see our living Lord. Step three is to see what Scripture says. We've already relied on God's Word to actually show us the empty tomb. And we've already relied on God's Word to show us our living Lord. But this step reminds us 
This step tells us that we need to listen for everything that the facts of Easter have to say to us. We have to listen to everything that they mean and that they imply for our lives and for our eternity. This step is one of the reasons that I do strongly encourage you stay here for the whole morning. The songs in our concert, the entirety of our festival service, they focus our attention on God's Word. And the breakfast is pretty tasty too. And God's Word says this. It says, You have been raised with Christ. That's a quote from our second reading this morning. You have been raised with Christ. His resurrection is your resurrection. He died on the cross so that your sins would die along with Him. And He rose from the grave so that you could be alive right now as a new person. You're a new person whom no grave can hold down. Your tomb will one day be empty. Not because somebody's going to steal your body away, but because your Lord is going to come and make you alive. That same reading adds, you also will appear with Him in glory. That's Jesus' promise. It was implicit in the words that He told Mary, the instructions He gave her to tell His disciples. Go and tell them, He said. He said He was going to the Father. His Father and your Father. He was going to God. His God from His position as a man and your God. And the implication was that He was going to bring them and He is going to bring you to be there with Him someday. You cannot cling to Him now. You cannot come with Him yet. For now, Jesus tells us to listen to His Word. To take comfort from it. To have encouragement from it. To be strengthened by it. To tell others. To serve others. Dear friends, don't let this day be the only morning on which you celebrate Easter. Don't let this be the one time that you come to church this year. This year. Come to church every week because every week we're celebrating Easter. And you don't even have to limit your Easter celebration to once a week either because you can celebrate Easter every single day of your life. What happens when we don't understand Easter? We don't have 
Easter joy. We're left with the pain and the suffering and the tears. We're left with uncertainty. So let us follow and let us continue to follow the example of Peter and John and Mary. Let's see the empty tomb. Let's see our living Lord. Let's see what Scripture says to us so that we may truly understand Easter. Amen.